If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. All right, TJ Rosine here with Hardwood Hustle, and I'm uh, back here for part two with Clint Sobolski. Clint, thanks for joining us again. And Clint's one of my former players. He's a PGC director, and um, we were just talking about a multitude of things. We jumped into what the transition from playing to coaching, what it was like to be a leader on that team. And, um, we're going to do a few more things today. We're going to talk about a, a couple different topics. Uh, one specifically, I want to talk about your experience at PGC. You're probably – one of the poster children for PGC, you know, I mean, when you, as much experience as you've had and, and I, I got to see you transition from, you know, just being in PGC and knowing you at PGC to actually mm-hmm. coaching you and bringing all of the skills that you'd learn over to a team. What are some of the things that PGC has taught you that you've learned that um, you were able to, to bring to our team and help lead us to a national championship? <laughs> Well, there were some things that I couldn't bring to PGC as, or from PGC as well, and not nothing like, different. But to kind of tell a little bit of story, I think you remember this from like day two. Like I, I was sprinting into every huddle and like locked in, and the guys were kind of like looking at me a little bit strange. And I came up to your office. You were like, "Hey, we, we might have to relax a little bit on the being locked in. You might actually have to try to like just take a deep breath." But other than, like, so and I, I think a, that had a lot to do with pace. I mean, you know, for sure. At PGC, we're there for a couple of days, and over the course of a, of a season, we practice a hundred and something times. You know, and, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it, you know, I think framing. And so when we had that conversation, I said, "Listen, when I do give you your water break, this is your downtime." You know, and, yeah, yeah. Like so, we had our waters like right behind. So when you talk, uh, it was it was more about eyes. We had to have our eye contact, and it wasn't. It was more about that respect scenario, and it wasn't necessarily about hands or feet because it was just more of a, an aged thing than yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of more of a funny story. Yeah, than anything, yeah. Because I was really just like a PGC baby. Yeah, yeah, you were. And then transitioning that to how it plays out in the college environment. and uh, But you did a phenomenal job of that. Like you, the things that you we teach at PGC, you want players to learn and you want them to know, but it's it's different when you when you have all these players that are already 18 to 20 years old and they've not been through those sure. concepts and yeah. you have to bring those to a team. So tell me some of the things you the best things you bought from PGC to a, to our team and and how those things played out. Mm-hmm. The the first thing that was probably the easiest was celebration sandwiches. Uh, just being able to celebrate someone anytime you come talk to them, just make sure that that's kind of the first thing you talk about. And didn't actually so for those who don't know what a celebration sandwich is, it's being able to anytime you speak to someone and you want to give them a reminder, it's celebrating them, giving them a reminder, and then celebrating them again. Um, but for us, what we found was that you didn't necessarily have to do it all at the exact same time. So I could celebrate my teammate one day, I could celebrate them a couple more times, and then when I know I needed that reminder, I could use it later. But it was like kind of putting piggy, like putting uh, pennies or putting quarters in the piggy bank, making but, those deposits so yeah. that you could later on coach them. In another, in, in for lack of a better word, even though you weren't coaching them, you were trying to make them better. Yeah, it was it was more serving them. I wasn't trying to coach them to get something out of it. It was more like if, for example, a certain guy was getting to the paint and wasn't able to kind of see a certain thing, or if one of our bigs was kind of 
uh, not necessarily doing something that was serving the offense. Yeah. So, uh, how did you do that? Like, as as people, you know, as kids, and we're, we're talking about like from coaches that are listening from high school on up to pro. You know, there's a um, you know, you're, you're you're myriad of different experiences, like you alluded to with coaching a, a pro player versus a college player, all the way down to a ninth grade high school player, right, or a middle school player. Yeah, right. It, you know, there, it's it's tough. I mean, there's so many different factors that go into that. How did you get outside of yourself um, to be able to actually care about what teammates were doing? Most players go into practice just kind of locked in, like, what do I have to do? Mm-hmm. What enabled you to get outside of yourself and actually not just what do I need to do, but what, what do my teammates need to do? Well, uh, I mean, I, I always did make sure that I was working on my own game because if I didn't work on my own game, they wouldn't take you serious. Yeah. So you had to have a certain level of that. And second was is that at the end of the day, you're going to put shoes up somewhere. at Like, your game's going to end. And there's more than basketball. And, yes, I wanted to be the best basketball player I possibly could. But if I'm working with these guys every day, like, I better care about them. And I did. And they cared about me and we cared about each other. So if we do, we better show each other that through everything, whether it's waiting for each other to go somewhere. It, was, it, was, it, didn't, it wasn't like a wake-up. Like, one night I woke up and just was like, oh, I should just care about people. What lesson did you learn of all the, all the times you've been through Watsa Camp and PGC Basketball What's the what's the best lesson you learned that you were able to take into your career that served you the most? That no skill is any better. Like no skill matches lighting someone up. If you can make someone smile, whether it be just walking like walking by them on the street. I now live in Toronto where everybody's busy. They gotta go. They gotta go. If you can walk by someone and just try to make them smile like that, because like that interaction might not do anything. But if you're thinking about that kind of on a grander scale and you're making people light up and feel good about themselves doesn't really matter what skill you have when you go to apply for a job because you'll probably have that offered to you beforehand yeah yeah that's super what's your favorite part of teaching uh you know like as far as when you got into the coaching and uh you know being a pgc director what's your favorite part of teaching what gifts are you hoping to give away to young athletes probably my favorite thing is hearing back from them like after the session or in some cases now like five or six years later and just saying hey i had this happen or i had that happen and it probably wouldn't happen if it weren't for PGC. Yeah. Because, like, I was that kid. I was that kid who went to PGC and was like, this is way different than my life. Well, give, give them some of the gold. What, what's, what's a lesson or two that you teach as a director that you just look forward to saying, oh, my gosh, when players hear this, it's going to help them and serve them so much, like a particular classroom session or, you know, a word right. or something. What, what, give them one that you really look forward to teaching. My favorite is talking about grit. I love grit because uh, there's this lady named Angela Lee Duxworth, um, who's I think I think she still is. She's a um, uh, she's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and she was just fascinated with the whole idea of grit because she felt like that was really the big thing that was the difference between people that work hard and the people that maybe don't in life. And she found grit is the separation. So that she wanted to kind of like find a quote that or a definition for grit, and her thing was passion and perseverance um, in the pursuit of a long-term goal. And so breaking down what does passion mean, like what is your passion? Well, if you're not chasing your passion, you're probably chasing someone else's, mm-hmm. right? And then perseverance. Like it's, it's tough for kids to kind of think outside themselves when they fail at something, especially in basketball or in life. Like their, their mind wraps around that. And so like pers- can you persevere through that? Can you take the next step? Can you rebound instantly? Yeah, so, yeah that's, a, that. that's a that's a great lesson. Um, as you're as you're going through, what about on the court? Like, what's the what's the skill, the transferable skill that you love 
giving to athletes that you see, uh, this really lights up their game, it changes their game. If you had to pick one, what would you pick? If I had to pick one, wow. Um, the, the one that probably changes most players is the power finish. And just because it's so transferable at so many different levels. And the one that I liked the most, if I, if I had to pick for myself, was... Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say this on the radio, but the sexy drive, and we spell that S E C S Y. Oh, anything goes on the hardwood hustle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very, very crazy. Uh, <laughs> so tell hardwoods them a little bit more about that. Hardwoods after dark. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Okay, so, um, so just being able to get, so when you're trying to drive by someone, we're not trying to go around them. We would refer to that as like a banana cut. And so instead, we're trying to sever the angle. We're trying to. Um, we're trying to explode. We're trying to create contact. We're trying to make sure we're seeing why or what's next. And so uh, being able to try to almost put your shoulder on someone like a puzzle piece. And that I remember being at PGC, and that was back when Mono was directing the session, had me really, had every athlete there taking their shoulder and putting it down on the other, like the defender's hip, and thinking, now see if you can open the defender like a book. Hmm. And I thought, wow, I thought you just dribbled around them, and you're actually going through them. And so that big, that was an aha moment for me. An equalizer, you know, for, for, for somebody sure. to be able to play in straight lines. I mean, great guards are able to get in the paint. And if you're playing in, in bananas, you know, versus yeah. playing in straight lines, it's tough to get to the paint. And I saw that transfer in your game, you know, even uh, it's, you're not the most imposing person. You're not the fastest. You're not the quickest. But daily in practice, you were able to open up players and get into the paint, and it was because of your technique. And we often teach at PGC, technique was the grand equalizer in the game of basketball. And uh, it, to be truthful, had you not mastered your technique and worked hard on your craft, you would not play college basketball. But it was for you. It was, it was the grand equalizer. You got good technique in, in all sure. aspects of the game and allowed you to play college basketball being successful. Yeah, I was really thankful to have the opportunity to learn some knowledge. Yeah, the, I only met Mono by showing up to another camp. The first year I ever played basketball, um, I was happy, or just happy enough to be on the high school team, and that was like that was a big thing for me. And at the end of the year, the coach convinced me to go to a camp, kind of thinking that that was going to be the last thing I'd ever do at basketball. It just happened to be that Mono was there, and I went up and thanked him, and he suggested that I go to his Watson camp, and it kind of took off from there. I was just. I was really thankful to meet the right person at the right time. That's awesome. Well, we're going to dive into some on-the-court stuff that we did um, at Emanuel and, and some specific basketball stuff and, and uh, things you liked, things you didn't like, uh, things that helped your game, things that you felt made the team better. Um, and we're, we're going to jump into that right after we take our break and get our uh, tip of the day, our communication tip of the day from our friends over at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. The biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. So often we feel we've communicated our message and our job is done. But the job truly isn't done until the receiver receives the message. See, the communication process is simple as this. You have a sender and a receiver, but the receiver is not a receiver until they've received it. So let's not assume this week as we're in our communication with coaches and players that when we say something that the job is done. It's only done when the receiver has received the message in the way you intended it to be received. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping bring parents, players, and coaches 
all together in an organized manner, communicating all season long. It will change your program. That's teamsnap.com backslash hustle. All right, Clint. So let's let's transition a little bit to on the court. So we were talking about technique and different things that you learn, and, and yep. you know, if we're trying to prepare um, players, coaches are thinking about, you know, if I'm a high school coach or I'm a middle school coach, I'm thinking about not only how do I make the best team, but how do I prepare them for the next level? Right. And it's really not a matter if they make the next level or not, but if you have middle schoolers playing like high schoolers, you're going to have a great team. For sure. If you have high schoolers playing like college players, you're going to have a great team. And whenever I go in and I led a PGC session, my um, my goal or what I was hoping to accomplish was to have those players perform at a level that was uncommon. I wanted, if I was doing 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I wanted them to look like a great high school practice. Mm-hmm. And if I've got high school players, I want it to look like a great college practice. Uh, t- tell, tell me some of the things that when you got to college – that were eye-opening to you, right? That were just different, that you hadn't seen before, that uh, would serve players and that it would empower coaches to be able to try and get their players to that level so that they're competing let one level up. Yeah, one thing is that uh, pass has got to be a whole lot stronger because people are a whole lot longer. Yeah, I don't think I completed a pass my first my first practice, and we had to work on that and got better. Uh, like we at PGC, they teach twist passing. There's, there's of course a hundred different other passes you can work on. But for me, it was working on my passing, being able to activate my core in different ways, and uh, just being able to find different spaces and also slow the game down. Yeah, people, people tend to pass to their level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, all of a sudden, all right. We always talk about at PGC. Don't prepare for the teams that you can beat. Prepare for the teams you can't beat. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, a lot of times, like making that making great passes is a really small thing. And you may, if you're one of the better players, get away with bad passes. But all of a sudden, you level up, and you can't do that anymore. Yeah, for such sure. a small skill, but uh, you know, s- such a, a an important skill. So, uh, and then the mental aspect of the game. Talk, you were, you alluded to that. Give me uh, some more uh, insight to that. Well, when when you're in high school and you're playing at a certain speed, things kind of. You, you eventually get to a point where they slow down and then you get to a new offense and new systems and new defenses and all different parts of the game and you've got uh, game film that you're watching most nights you've got different types of uh, different types of video sessions you're watching with the team you've got scouting reports and so some of that can all feel a little bit overwhelming as the first time you're going through it and so as you're able to kind of take a step back and be able to see it multiple times it's a, it allows you to kind of take a breath and then be able to see those sets kind of easier. The more you see it, there's there's no substitution of reps. Basically. What what could you what could you do to to level that up? Like if you if you were to go back and after you played college ball and you you coach in the pros, like if you were to go back and coach a middle school or a high school team, what would you demand out of them, or what would you do in those practices to help them level up? Because a lot of times you just you don't have that vision, right? I mean, I remember this as a high school player. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't play with college players on a daily basis, so I only knew what was good around me. What would you do to prepare a team? Well, so I'm going to pull some research out, but typically they say when you give external feedback, it lasts up to 15 minutes. It doesn't last anything longer than that. So most like most coaches, when they see seventh grade, they'll watch the play go, then they'll blow the whistle, coach them, then they'll watch it again, then they'll blow the whistle, and then they'll be so frustrated that they're doing the same thing wrong over and over and over again. And so sometimes it just involves like if you take one player aside, if you have one player that can do – so let's, let's break it down. So, for example, you've got – um, you're, you're struggling with spacing on your grade 17. Um, you find one player on your team that can do it well. 
and then one by one pulling players aside and then trying to use questioning, just asking them through that. So like, hey, what do you notice Johnny doing over there? As the ball is dribbled towards Johnny, what is he doing? Is he running towards it? Is he running away from it? Or is he staying spaced on the three-point line? Where, what is he doing? And then so one at a time, having them try to deliver it themselves. Mm-hmm. Like being able to, there's, there's no substitution, I think, for one for reps and then for being able to articulate something yourself, having that autonomy to figure it out. When you can articulate it, then there's a likelihood that you've learned it, you've absorbed it. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so let's talk for a second about uh, Emmanuel College Practices. What do you think about Emmanuel College Practices? They were a lot more fun than, than the last school that I was at. Was just <laughs> what, what, tell, tell me a little bit about it, what, you know, as far as um, what was fun about it. What was what did you like about it? What, what made – I mean, obviously, we, we, we won a national championship. We had a really good team. We had a great year. We won a ton of games. You know, what, why? What's going on in practice? What, what made practice fun? What made practice good? Well, if, if you stripped it down and you watch the drills we do, sure, we do certain drills that are, are precise or we, we play a lot. We actually play a lot and we, you talk through things and you find a good timing of being able to talk when we're tired as opposed to just talking to talk. Um, but it's, it's the energy that goes with it. Like there's not a guy that's not talking. And if they are, it's because they're a freshman. They just don't know how to yet. Mm-hmm. And whether you're on the court or off the court, and it's not like it's not cheerleading. It's communication. It's bettering your teammate. It's being able to use precise feedback, precise yeah. positioning. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think part of when you're talking about it, right? I even say this with assistant coaches, like. If assistant coaches are mute on the sideline, they're not saying much. It can't be nearly as much fun. No, you're not involved in it, right? Same thing with players, right? If if you're not talking, you're not you're not working through things. If you're not, the more you talk, I feel like the more you're engaged. Is that oh that for be- sure? The more you're engaged, the more you're into the practice, the more you're enjoying it. But also, like I feel like players will be sitting on the side. And sometimes they won't be saying anything, they, they won't be doing anything, and then they'll be surprised when coach calls them in and they don't execute something right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not your coach's fault. That's, that's probably your fault. Yeah. So, Clint, tell me a little bit uh, more about uh, a little bit more about practice. So, as we went through, what do you remember the most looking back on practices? The most I remember is actually just um, we started most practices with uh, being able to create space in our shell drills, and so I didn't think we did anything that was maybe outside the extraordinary. We just made sure we executed simple things with a lot of enjoyment. Um, creating read and react so if if we start practice we're starting in a shooting drill we've got two lines up the top guys are thinking and being intentional at driving to the rim and we've got a guy in, on on each wing having space and they're pushing as hard as they can to the corner and that was a lot of fun I remember doing those types of drills we also like to start the season we made sure that we had what, what we call a two-minute drill where you're shooting for two minutes straight to see how many, what's your number you could put up. We had a five-minute shooting drill, and neither one was, was extraordinarily different. It just the, you, had a, you had a great rebounder with you. You had a, a passer, and you had a shooter, and you were constantly moving on the wing. And uh, when we went, um, so, so those are two different things. And another thing on, on defense we would do full court defense where we had we would just use one ball and we'd have four guys set up swing the ball everybody jump to the ball swing the ball the other way jump to the ball like it, it wasn't anything that you'd think um, oh gosh I wonder if TJ Rosine is like going out there with a, a master clinic no he's just being able to explain things incredibly well 
um, to make guys enjoy it and to put guys in positions to be to be great. What could we have done better in practice? Um, what could you have done better in practice? Um, I mean, looking back on 100 practices, that's a lot of practices in a year, right? Like, yeah. as coaches, and the mixture of fun and reps and intensity. Like, what, what's what could we've done better? I think I think so. Sometimes you guys are knowing as coaches that you're saying certain things to set us up. Um, meaning, like, you, you might be not actually mad at us, but you're 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 setting us up in a certain way. And so, there's always that level of taking us to another another level. We can always climb another level, climb another level, climb another level. Um, and so that those things are all needed. But once in a while, like starting a practice with a with maybe a fun drill. And I I'm the opposite of wanting to say that. Um, but I feel like we did all those other things so well. I don't think that there's a there's really that many places to poke holes at to say, hey, like I didn't enjoy my practice. Well, I'm probably the biased guy because I really enjoyed every practice. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, we we got about a minute or two left here. I got a couple of different questions for you. So I know you're a reader. I know you're a learner. Probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest readers, learners, just a consumer of knowledge that I've been around. Like you just love learning. You love growth. An absolute growth mindset. Let's just empty out a couple of things for our coaches, some things that you've learned that have helped you in your life, some things you've been reading lately, um, just some tidbits that have made you a better person and a better leader and a, uh, just a better contributor in general. Yeah, I'd love to. So there's, there's a couple of things that I've, I've been reading. Is, so um, one thing is I'll, I'll give you a basketball-type thing. I'll give you a, a life-type thing, I guess. And so the basketball-type thing is really more about players that are, are sitting on the bench. You're trying to figure out how could they be more active, how could they be more interested in participating. And so um, most airports, you have to walk 15 minutes from your, air, from your plane to the baggage claim. And the only reason why is because there was a guy in Canada that did some research that found out that when people sit down for a long period of time, like on a plane, what usually happens is their muscles start to lax and the ligaments take over. So and that can usually happen over a 15-minute period span. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you have to get up and move that type of distance because they don't want you just picking up your bags and your ligaments taking over. Why do I say that? Because if you've got guys on the bench that aren't engaged and aren't interested, well, if they're sitting there for 15 minutes, not engaged, not interested... Well, now they're letting ligament tension take over in their back, and there's probably no chance they're coming in to knock down their first shot. So if you're not engaged on the bench, you're probably not engaged in the game. So why would I ever decide to put that guy in? Hmm. So that's a good thing you can tell your players. I mean, that sounds maybe might go over their head, might not, but yeah, um, that's, like a, it. that's from a guy named Dr. McGill. Uh, and uh, the next thing is just um, finding out your players' love languages. And that's kind of like an off-the-floor off type thing or it's kind of more of a life thing is anytime you're interacting with somebody, uh, there's, there's a book about life languages or love languages and being able to kind of identify who they are, what they're about, because we're mostly about trying to find our love language and then we're surprised when people don't react to how we care about them or how we show affection because usually how we show affection is how we think we want to receive affection. And uh, so, Yeah, I like yeah. that one a lot. I'm actually writing that down because... Um, we did that several years ago with a, there's a love languages test you can take. Um, but you know, we always tell you, it's kind of a catch word. You hear coaches talking about, I love my players. I, you know, if you really, really love them, you know, what are you doing for, um, yeah. the opportunity to actually really 
pour into them, you know, and into and finding out their love language is one really good one uh, they mm-hmm. can serve. And they can take a quick test to figure out their love language. Right. Well, I'd even take it one other direction. You hear, you hear wives of coaches always saying, "Hey, I'm the coach's wife, and you know, I'm, I'm taking a sacrifice, but I'm, I'm doing that sacrifice, and I love that." And you hear the kids say that, and then you hear the coach, or there's usually like spending a lot of time with the team saying, "Hey, you know, I'm really thankful for my family." But what are they doing for their family behind the scenes to make up for that? Are mm-hmm. they just relying on them being thankful, or are they like are they investing way more behind the scenes to show that impact? Mm-hmm. Because like I saw, I saw you, like I know you did that every day, and mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of what made me come to that realization is that maybe there's a lot of coaches, maybe I'm not sure, but maybe there's a lot of coaches that don't do that. Yeah, well, that's super. Well, Clint. It's always good to see you. Always thankful for a guy like Clint that uh, not only was just awesome to coach, and you know he uh, he's a big part of our national championship team, and just uh, and and our that team loved each other, and and uh, they followed your example, Stephen's example, Austin's example, and just how to love and, and Willie's example, and Willie's example, and, and really all of those guys on the team. But those sure. few four just really um, were super intentional about it, and and therefore. Um, a team really grew to to loving each other and caring for each other and probably accomplished um, you know even more than maybe we should have just because you guys loved each other so much and um, so it is it's always really special to see you and and uh, always thankful for the way you pour into my children and I always love watching you you know direct for PGC or just even knowing that you're out there directing at PGC because I know somebody's getting blessed on that day because you're out there. Um, teaching them. I'm sure you do that in all aspects of your life. But uh, thankful for you, Clint. Thankful for, for you joining the Hardwood Hustle. And uh, coaches, hope you enjoyed those two episodes with Clint. And Clint, where can people find you on social media or the email if they got a question or just whatever you feel comfortable giving out? Yeah, well, first, um, like I, I, you say other people were blessed. Well, I'm, I was blessed to be able to spend two years with you, and there's no way I would have had that opportunity. Um, I would learn that much anywhere else. So, like, thank you very much. It was you're welcome. It was a joy. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely PGCs had a huge impact on me. That's that's for sure. But uh, I wouldn't be the same person without you, TJ. So, yeah, it's thank definitely you, a lot of fun. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> now segue to my uh, to my pitch. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, if anybody wants to find me on Instagram, they can find me at educatedballer31. And uh, that has my email attached. Educated Baller Thirty One. Yep, yep, that's right. right. And so uh, we we run our own basketball training company up there in Canada and Ontario. And so we're happy to serve players. And we also run um, uh, what we call we we had in Christmas was our holiday hoops for hearts. And now we're gonna or sorry our holiday hoop for hunger. And now we're gonna do hoops for hunger in the summer. And the goal is to just. Um, uh, anybody that's welcome to come for a day, they get free basketball training in exchange for a food donation or some monetary money if they want to, and that'll just go to families. At Christmas, we were able to, we were thankful and we were blessed to raise uh, enough to take care of 10 families' uh, food uh, food problems for, for a month. So we're happy awesome. with that. And that's what Clint does. He finds ways to contribute, not whether it's a team or coaching or to society. And um, you know, the world's a better place because of you, Clint. And we thank you for joining us today on, on the Hardwood Hustling. Clint, thanks for being so accommodating and doing two episodes with us. We really appreciate it. Appreciate being here. Yeah, I'm TJ Rosine. This is the Hardwood Hustle signing out.